Hey everyone, how's it going? This is Blair Sinta. Welcome to the Recording Drums Podcast. Today, my guest is Ashwin Sood. Um, you will know Ash is playing from Sarah McLaughlin's records. Um, I was a huge fan of uh, Sarah McLaughlin back in the 90s. Still am, but really that record surfacing that was so massive. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time listening to those those great songs and, and frankly playing along with 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 that record um and just really learning how to play simple that was that was one of those seminal records for me to to really learn to kind of like not be playing ghost notes and not be trying to like uh just play too many notes um i just loved playing along to those songs so it was super cool to to, uh talk to ash Uh, we met years ago when i was playing with alanis morissette um, he shows us around the studio that he still works in that him and Sarah built years ago. Um, he also has a lo-fi project called Pantone VU, which is, uh, slowly putting out music. You can find it on iTunes, uh, the whole lo-fi chill thing. And we talk about that a bit. Um, cool to see his setup in that room where they're making music. If you're enjoying the podcast, please go to my website. You can download my free guide to the gear that I use in my studio here. If you ever have questions about that, it's a free PDF. I also have my courses for sale, Introduction to Recording and Improve Your Groove. They're sitting there on my website. Um, That's it. All right, let's get to Ash. Super great guy. Really chill conversation. Here we go. But you're in Vancouver, yes? Yeah. That looks incredible wherever you are. This is the studio that Sarah and I built um, 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah, we, um, we'd always wanted to, like every musician, you want your own, you know, and this is before the home recording thing. We just wanted a place to be able to make our music on, on our own time because Sarah was never, she was sort of very fortunate that she never really had record companies giving her deadlines. You need to get this record done. So it was a sort of a dream to build our own place where you could go and record when you felt inspired to and, and it's yeah, we're you know, it's it's fantastic. So you keep that that's part of that's your gig. You keep that up and going and you're producing and Yeah, I mean so we Sarah does we we were just working on her new music last week actually. So it's oh, okay. it's it's a private studio. It's for her use, it's for my use. Any projects that she has that are um whatever she's doing or whatever I'm doing. It's a, it's a private studio. Okay. Yeah, it's not available to rent. I mean, close friends have come and use it. Okay, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it's all it's it's fan, it's it's sort of interesting to sort of watch the evolution of home recording in the last ten years. Um, that's why I love going down the YouTube rabbit hole to look at people's home studio setups because everybody's different. Yeah, you know, and there's no right, there's no wrong, there's just there's just consequences, you know, and uh, yeah. <laughs> there's just not, I always say there's no right. There's no wrong right. just consequences. Right. 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 Wow. Interesting, man. So, so everything you do in there is with Sarah, you don't, you're not doing outside projects in there. If it's outside projects that I'm working on, I meant that I wouldn't rent this out to a band. Oh, I see. I see what you, you're it's not a commercial. Involved. Yeah. 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 No. Okay. That's what yeah. I figured you meant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in a sense, it is a home. It's a home studio that she used and I use for our projects. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, we were in here all last week working on some of her new music and that was fun. Okay. And um, yeah, trying to figure out 
what is the evolution of this business that we are in? <laughs> Watching, you know, close, close musician friends over the last year, just fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the economics of, you know, us being side guys and what that has turned into is also just like, Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, this idea of, I, I, you know, you, that you, you used to be able to charge X number of dollars to play on a project or play on a song and you felt good about charging that. And now it's like, Oh, so the, so, and if you don't say yes to a hundred bucks a song, well, somebody else will do it. And you want to work, you want to play, you want to continue to be creative. So it's like, Sure, I'll do it for a hundred bucks a song. Keeps me busy, keeps me playing. Right. But but it's like, wow, really? That's what this has kind of become. I guess it kind of has. Yeah. How much you know, and the ad and the advent of everybody having some kind of studio at home thinking they can do it themselves. Yeah, and and drums being one of the more difficult things to do. Of course. Yeah. But I've seen crazy, crazy beautiful drum rooms. I've seen closets you know it's just like it's you know people in their one bedroom apartments with their drums in their corner with some mics and a blanket and a little baffle and it's like well there it is that's what that's what's happening and a lot of people do extremely cool shit like that absolutely and that's part of why i'm I'm doing this is because yeah i'm curious about like you know i see a beautiful room like yours which you know i know it's got to be great stuff coming out of there and then the exact thing that you just described that yeah and some guy or woman or whatever figures out something awesome to do in that in that space. Yeah, it's the Wild West. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Yeah. It's the one, but it's 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 sort of you know our 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 um, we've been doing this for a while, so you know we've put time and effort and patience and learning into learning how to get good sounds and having good equipment. And then it's it's hard to get your head around the economics of what it's become. Yeah. Not that I feel like, oh, this is my fee and I need to charge this. It's more that, oh, I guess because people can get it done for really, really inexpensive, they assume that everybody, even us professional musicians, will do it for inexpensive. And a lot of the times they're probably right because we just want to play. Well, I think there's a fine line of... um, Definitely. There's a fine line of... Yeah, I mean... At a certain point, you got to say no, right? When it's, when it's. Well, if you don't love the music. Yeah. You know, if if the music is fantastic and you're inspired, you're like, yeah, I really want to be involved in this. Mm -hmm. That's your budget. You know what? We'll find a way to make this work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah. um, uh, 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 Artistic level. There's a time commitment level. Yeah. For price. Yep. And sometimes those things will go hand in hand. You'll spend more time on something that is, you think is great. Yeah. Well, because you want to do great it's 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 our nature to want to yeah you know we want to do great yeah or if you're polishing a turd then you want to get paid better and spend less time on it <laughs> you can only polish it so much <laughs> yeah you know and with technology these days the turd can really be polished mm-hmm. you know you can cut you can paste you can edit you can tune you can sound you can it's so funny i was having a conversation with a um a drummer who I, I won't name his name because we got into quite a bit of a heated discussion. He's like, he's a, he's a A-list Nashville. One of the, one of the guys, you'd know his name if I told you. And we were talking about how, you know, in the last year, year and a half, last couple of years, the home studio thing and drummers and how that when we get sent music, sent 
something to record. And we, you know, they're hiring us because they probably like the way we play. They've heard our music. They know we can get good sounds. And so there's a trust, right? They just trust us. And he was um, very sort of, yeah, nobody's allowed to cut my drums. Nobody's allowed to sound replace me. Nobody's allowed to edit anything I do. And I said, yeah, but hang on a second. You got hired. You sent them great work. Once those files leave your studio, they're not really yours anymore. You know, the artist and the the producer or whoever, they can do whatever they want. I don't get so attached because I know in 2021 and in the evolution of how we're making music, once the files you've sent them off, they can do whatever they want with them. I've been replaced. Well, which is no different than going to a quote unquote real studio. Sure. Session. Yeah. And the minute you leave. It's done. Yeah. You got paid. You did. Yeah. You did your work. Yeah. Yeah. I got, it was quite an interesting discussion. It was almost on the verge of an argument. He was like, no, 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 nobody's allowed to. I'm like, I don't think you can really control that once the, once it's left. If that person has that control, I'm, I'm impressed. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think, I I don't think, I, I think he, maybe had some experiences where he realized that, Oh, I've been replaced or those are not my sounds or this, that, and the other. And I was like, yeah, but once you've gotten, if you got paid, you got to kind of wash your hands of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What do you, what do you, so are you engineering a lot? Have you been engineering for a long time? Yeah. Yeah, This is, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of got into recording and engineering when I was a teenager. I was always fascinated. I was always fascinated with it. Yeah. So I wanted to learn. So I've had a Fostex four track cassette machine. Yeah. I had a Fostex quarter inch tape machine. Yeah. I started collecting microphones and a little bit of outboard gear. So it's been a lifelong okay, cool. you know, kind of obsession from like reading about the Beatles and how they recorded. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do that. I want to do it that simply also. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've always been, I would, I'm an okay engineer. Um, I, 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 there's an engineer who we work with in the studio all the time. I trust his, his ears mm-hmm. a lot more than mine, but I've learned so much from him and working with producers over the years, you know, asking questions over and over again about why is that microphone there? And why, you know, so asking lots of questions and then you just, you can, you can kind of do it on your own. I don't like to do it on my own that much because there's so much back and forth thing and getting rather than just, sitting down playing somebody captures your sounds yeah. you know it, it's a, it we're doing it all ourselves right so it takes a lot more time right but right. i like that we have that we have the knowledge to you know where to you know which put a good mic here pop in that compressor do a little eq get some good level wow this sounds good mm-hmm. it's not rocket science right are you comfortable with with other instruments and and or vocals i am comfortable yeah, I'm comfortable with guitars and acoustic guitars, vocals a little bit, but I kind of leave that to our engineer. He's, <laughs> you know, he's captured everything Sarah has sang in the last 24 years okay. beautifully. So, and who is that? His name is Chris Potter. Okay. Yeah. So, so Chris lives in Vancouver. He was uh, Brian Adams's engineer for the longest time. Okay. Helped Brian build the warehouse studio oh, here in okay. Vancouver. Okay. And then Chris got uh, quite burnt out working with Brian. Okay. Um, so he sort of went freelance and I had worked with him. Sarah and I had worked with him and we had, I'd started picking his brain about, we want to build our own room. Okay. 
And he was quite excited about that because it was something from scratch. Okay. So he was very much, um, we sort of had the, the, the concept of the room, which is everything is in the, in this, in the room here. Like the console is here. Nice. The drums are there. Oh, crazy. Okay. Yeah. Pianos. There's two big pianos there. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. And, and there is an isolation room back there. In my mind, before I saw those drums, I was like, the drums must be back there. <laughs> yeah. So the drums are right beside the console. This okay. is kind of a concept that I, our Sarah's producer, Pierre Machon, yep. when we were, when we were um, working with him a lot. Yep. I love the idea that everything was in the same room. Yep. Literally the drums were right beside the console. We'd put headphones on, we'd get sounds, take the headphones off, go back and listen. Yep. He, he would conduct me when I played you know, or he'd take the headphones off and look at me. Are you okay? Do you need a break? You know, it was very much that. I never have been a fan of the glass. Okay. You know, the control room glass thing. I've done it a little bit, but not much. Okay. I like the idea that we can all be in the same room. We can push stop. We can take our headphones off. We can have a conversation. We can get right back to it. So you'll have, you'll have uh, uh, base, uh, multi-instruments happening in the same room sometimes? Sometimes. we Yeah, not more than two or three people playing at once in sure. here. Like I've been on the kit where Sarah's been on the piano. Okay. I'm playing quite quietly yeah. and our engineer here is recording and, the, and a bass player. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, if it's something quiet too, because of the piano and open mics and whatnot. And that, but, could, um, make, that could turn into a take into a track. Totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that would be the idea. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but usually yeah, there's no more than two or three musicians. I can't remember. I mean, last week we were all playing in here together and that hadn't happened for a long time. Oh, cool. Just in terms of lot more than a couple of musicians in a room. That just hasn't happened. I mean, when's the last, I mean, I can't remember the last time I went to one of the studios here in Vancouver and did like a session with a bass player, a guitar player. It's, I can't even remember. Yeah. But that's, I mean, for, for me, I did a couple early in 2021, but it was super signed the signed the documentation. Everybody really is they have yeah. booths, and you don't leave your ISO booth. But then I've done a few. I think by the summer, where I was sitting in a room with a bass player and awesome like that, and had people over here. Yeah, and I still have people wear masks when they come over. But yep, you know, yep. Oh, oh, I didn't lose you. Okay, my computer just flipped out for a second. All right, good. Oh. <laughs> um, and you're in your home studio right now, yes? Yeah, my, my room is very small. It's a two-car garage, and I built it out, and this is the control okay. side, and right through here is the drum room. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. During, uh, during the lockdown, were you spending a lot of time experimenting – trying to keep busy recording for fun for me at the beginning of lockdown it was it was pretty crazy like because everybody was home and i got a lot of work like everybody okay. wanted to record at the first right uh and they were just you know stimulus checks <laughs> people were like <"Woo> <laughs> yeah 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 so it, at the beginning it was great and then i uh it kind of actually sent me down this path a little bit the podcast yes. flesh because i had some i'd been doing some uh Patreon stuff. And I thought, Oh, why don't I put this stuff out on a course? Cause I was literally having multiple calls a week of drummers saying like, Hey dude, can you help me? 
okay going like talk me through this you know so i started right. doing some lessons on zoom um so it kind of sent me down this path more than i meant to you know but you've had but you've had your room for how like how long have you had um so i i had a house a different house back in 2003 and i built a kind of half-assed studio let's say <laughs> okay. it was more like hey i need a place to practice a practice now. room right and it, and it would be cool to record there too it was definitely yeah. intended yeah uh but then i moved in this house in 2009 and this was i was about we were about to have a uh, baby and i was like okay i need a place that i can play at midnight yes if that's the only time i'm gonna be able to like play drums yeah. and record so and by that time i was pretty serious about like wanting to be able to do this yeah. You know, create a career out of like yeah. the home thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's quite incredible what has happened in the, with the home recording thing. Yeah. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, I, I love the, I love the old school recording studios also the history of them. And, mm. um, you know, when you, when you hear about so many of them closing down, uh, you, you sort of you, you understand why it's happened and that part of it's sad, but isn't it great that we can do this thing in our own building, our own room? Yeah. It's sort of that, you know, when, I, when I've when i worked at Capitol in LA or at Sunset Sound, it's just you walk around this like, I've, I get such a sense of what has happened in, in I want to capture some of the, maybe that'll seep into me somehow, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, I was going to say the the evolution of the drummer's practice room that has turned into a recording room in the last number of years has probably been quite a many of those stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you bringing um like like outside of Sarah? What kind of work are you usually bringing in there? Is it is it like like literally commercial or TV and film, or is it more like it's songs or yeah, songs, singer songwriter? It's all people sending me stuff. Mm. To there, there's a few, there's a few things. I've done with artists that, that are here in Vancouver, based in Vancouver. I, I did a record a couple of years ago with this Australian singer songwriter, and we did his whole record here. Okay. Um, but yeah. most of the stuff, it gets sent to me. Okay. You know, it's the send you the files, send them back lots of ideas. Uh, um, that's like, that's everything these right. days. Everything. So, and what, what kind of board is that you guys have there? This is a, uh, this is Avid's, um, Icon. It's the first console that it's the Pro Tools console. Oh, basically. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing in it. It's all right. controls all the software. Okay. But I always, we had always, I, I, I had always, I liked the tactile moving faders, turning knobs. Yeah. You know, and we didn't want to go down that road of putting an SSL in or an even because that requires a full time tech. It just yep. does. Mm -hmm. And it was actually our engineer Chris who said, I. I because this is a home studio, if you were building a commercial studio and there was going to be a lot of traffic, mm -hmm. then sure, put in an SSL, put in an Eve. But uh, so this is the very first um, icon that came to Canada, and now they don't support it anymore. Ah, wow! They didn't so we're now getting to that point of like, okay, we may have to. It, it works. Nothing right. is broken on it. But if a knob breaks or a slider breaks, we can't get parts for it anymore. So are you on, are you on an old Pro Tools version or is it? No, brand new uh, using Pro Tools 2021. Yeah. 
but but it's you know all the faders move and 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 you can you know pop in your eqs and turn knobs and do and pop in your compressor and turn knobs it's that tactile yeah you know because i don't want to stare i don't want to be on the mouse all the time i kind of like the old school way of reaching a bit oh i'm gonna reach over i'm gonna reach over here and there's something just a bit more tactile about it but you know then um some of the new Anyway, we'll see what happens when this thing breaks down and be like, oh, God. Right. Now we're where to go. But um, so if you're recording a drum track. Yes. Are you running back and forth or are you able to control the board from where you're sitting? Yeah, I've got my iPad over there. I don't have it here, but I, the Avid has that iPad. Um, Avid control, I think it's called. Okay. So when you, you can go into that mode, I can monitor from over there. I can put it in record from over there. Okay. I can listen back from over there. Yeah. And set up headphone sends or whatever you need. Headphones. I can control the mix from over there. Does so the, does the phaser physically move on the board? Yes. When you, yeah. Okay, that's kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it is fun. No, and I sort of make sure I'm looking over going, is it actually moving? Oh, it is moving. <laughs> right. Okay, it's, everything is working. Right. Yeah. No, it's a pretty nice way to work. It, it, it's it's um, I've just gotten used to it. Um, and then sometimes I'll forget my iPad at home and then it's just a bit of back and forthing, but it's, the mics are always up. Yep. Um, I change mics once in a while, change drums once in a while, but the mics are always up. The inputs are always the same. Yeah. My patch rarely changes. Okay. Um, so you, you like, if you want to change things, you're going drum changes, tuning changes. That's really the, yeah, but I'll, I'll, I'll also like, uh, let's try something different on the snare drum for crying out loud. Let's move some mics around. Let's try some strange mics. I've collected a lot of microphones over the years okay. and it's like, uh, let's use these. Let's pull these out. I've gotten some new wacky old stuff. And so you're just. Tell you me about of, it. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> What's you, the wacky old stuff. I wanna... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I got one of these. Um, I don't know if you can see it. It's hanging up top. It's a ATC, uh, STC a BBC ball and biscuit microphone. Okay. I don't know that. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the talk back microphone that used to live in the console that okay. Jeff Emmerich would talk to the Beatles in. Okay, cool. And then when the Beatles were in the big room, there was one hanging above them. So when okay. they talked and I had heard that Abbey road had a bunch of these that were never used, ah. you know, I was going down the rabbit hole one night mm-hmm. I was like, I, where are these microphones? So I actually then, I got in touch with an engineer, a sort of a second engineer who I had met years and years ago at Abbey Road. And I asked him about these microphones. He was like, how do you know about these? I'm like, well, I know about them from Beatles lore. Mm -hmm. I said, are they still around? He goes, yeah, we never use them. I said, do you know if they work? Goes, not a clue. And I said, well, if you ever want to sell one, oh, mate, Abbey Road never sells anything. I said, well, yeah, fair enough. I understand that. But if you have four that are lying in a... So a few, a year later, he reached out to me and he said, I'll sell you one. And it was not expensive and got it here and got it rewired and it hangs above me. Okay. And it's wacky, different, mono, funky. Is it lo-fi, crunchy? It, it is pretty lo-fi. Yeah. Okay, cool. But you know, nobody likes grand giant drum sounds anymore. Everybody wants dead, quiet, small sounds, which I actually love. You know, I actually love it. it it's, it's so interesting when uh, I have Sirius XM radio. So I'm constantly going between, you know, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, 
you know, the Yacht Rock channel, which is basically all Jeff and Michael McDonald, every single song. <laughs> and it's so fantastic to listen to those drum sounds because it's like, oh my goodness, they're so dry. They're so dead. They're so right there. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's my age. I mean, I'm sure it has to do something with my age, but when I hear when people are asking for drum sounds these days, I'm like, do you want the room mics? Cause I have, you know, a stereo pair in the corner. They're like, nah, we don't need room sound. We can also create room sound. I'm like, yep, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. They want small, they like dead tape, bandana. Right. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's why, I mean, it's the evolution of, you know, sound a bit. Yeah. Your room seems like large-ish in size, but also it seems like it's pretty dry. I'm just, I'm guessing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's somewhere in the middle. Sometimes I will put the drums in the small room. Okay. Yeah, the drums have been here for 20 years, and so I was in, in the last couple of years. I was like, and we and sometimes we'll baffle it completely. I have yep. the parachute above the console here. Sometimes yep. I'll put the parachute above cool. the kit. Okay. Just to just to change up. Yep. Yeah. Generally, this room sound and it, it, it's it's a little bit live. It, it's not too live. There's not there. There is quite a bit of glass in here, but everything is not a corner. There's lots of big carpets in here, so we can control the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dry thing is crazy because my room is very small, but still fairly live for how small it is. Yeah. Um, but it's almost like a competition to how dead, you know, <laughs> yeah. how dead can you get it? You know, <laughs> never dead enough. Yeah. <laughs> never dead enough. Yeah. Um. What's What's one of the so I saw you did a Stevie Nicks thing track. Yeah. Yeah. On her. Um, yeah. Pierre had done a, a couple of songs with her on her. What was the record called? Trouble in Shangri-La. Okay. It's not many, many years ago now, but she came to Vancouver. Okay. And she actually stayed with us because her and Sarah had sort of become friends and she was up in our house for four days. And there she is sitting at our piano by the fireplace and she and she comes with her um her backup singers. They're, uh-huh. always, they're always with her. Uh-huh. Sharon and um what was it, Lori? I know Marilyn Martin is singing with her now, but they go with her everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it was weird. <laughs> but there they were in our living room. And I was just, you know, I'm just like, this can't be happening. You know, and she, and she was like, oh, she's easygoing and telling us stories. And I was just like, this is crazy. But we ended up doing a, a couple of songs with her. And that was a blast. Yeah. And that was actually, we were all playing live almost off the floor. And she was in a vocal booth singing to me, playing drums. Sarah was playing piano. I think we had, a, there, uh, Sarah's bass player was playing bass. There was a guitar player. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great. That's really cool. One of the things, uh, it's funny, I'm going through um, surfacing in my head now, the, the album. And yeah. About, you know, one of the things I always love, especially in like the late 90s, is, the, you know, the whole trip hop thing, but the kind of bl- the, how acoustic drums and, and electronics were blending back then. And those records stuck out to me. Right. It's like, I, th- I don't know if it was Pierre, maybe you had a hand in all that stuff too, but how that was all like, yeah. Together it, at that time. Yeah, it was definitely a combination. Pierre loves electronics. He loves programming. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first, when I went to PIT, mm-hmm. uh, when I moved to LA in 86, I bought an 808 for 200 bucks the third week I was there. Cool. 
<laughs> yeah. And, and, and I wanted, because I've always loved early Genesis, early Phil Collins, uh, British electronic music, where they were pro. I always loved, I wanted to learn how to program drum machines. Okay. And PIT had a little bit of a program that Eddie Rossetti was running where they had a room with a bunch of, you know, they, there was a emulator in there and a, and some Roland stuff. And so we would learn a little bit, but I wanted to go deep. I wanted to like go deep into learning how to program drum machines okay. and incorporate them into, into, you know, using acoustic drums also. Okay. So Pierre and I loved experimenting with that stuff together. Okay. Um, and we would spend a long time doing it too and yeah. going down one road for a long time. No, it's not working. Let's try something else. So it, it was nice to have the time because there wasn't, we didn't really, we didn't really have record company under the gun saying, so Pierre and I would, he would come up with parts. I would come up with parts. Oh, let's put live drums on this. Oh, now. And we were recording to radar. Surfacing was done on a radar machine. Oh, wow. Okay. The so radar was, you could edit on a radar, but it was limited. Yeah. You know, it's not the way now in Pro Tools when right. if, if you're, you know, cutting acoustic drums with electric drums, you can really manipulate and get things sounding really cool. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that I love doing is spending hours and hours. I'll program and then I'll put real drums and just find interesting ways to put it all together. I love doing that. I've always loved it. Yeah. What? So what were you guys, what was some of your favorite machines, drum machines to use then? MPC. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. It was, was primarily the, the MPC. Okay. Where were you finding sounds then for that? Um, Pierre had a whole whack of sounds. We would make our own sounds. Yeah. Okay. A lot of it making our own sounds and then tuning them, cutting them, manipulating them. Okay. Like hours and hours, like egghead. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, working on a snare drum sound for how long just to get, you know, yeah. it was fully egghead. And now with the Roland cloud, you know, you can get all the Roland drum machines. I, I have, I started to collect drum machines for years and years and I have every single Roland drum machine ever made. Cool. <laughs> and now I'm trying to sell them all because I just don't use them. Because now they're all in the cloud and they're so much easier to program yeah, and they yeah. sound just as good. Right. The samples just are there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're there. And I've yeah. done the blind tape. I've spent weeks here with an 808 and a 909 and a 303 and listening to the sounds on the cloud. And it's like, this, these sound great. It's time so, to sell this stuff. So when you would tour on those records back then, were you running yeah. MPC with the full Track or how were you running sounds back then? No, so I would sample into my Akai samplers. Yep. Basically loops. Okay. And I would start and stop loops and I would play with a click when I needed yeah. to. Yep. Yeah. I would have a roll. I had Roland V drums out with me and I used sort of ah, all right. okay. half the pads um, as Roland sounds and half the pads as triggers through a, through a drum cat. Okay. So my drum, so my drum, cat. Uh, the first time we, uh, my first, one of the first times touring with Sarah, it was just a drum cat, a drum cat triggering an Akai sampler. Hmm. So start, stop, play with a click, make sure you're in time. Yeah. It worked really well, you know? Yeah. So we were never, we were never really locked to a sequencer or locked to Pro Tools uh, or locked to Logic, okay. um, which these days a lot of people, and that works great also. Right. I liked the idea that if something went wrong, I could stop it right away. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, I could have complete control rather than the keyboard player having control. I wanted to have control of the electronic sounds of the rhythm stuff. We're we talking about Vince Jones. I love Jonesy. <laughs> Jonesy was just here all last week working with Sarah. Was he? Was he? He yeah. called me like a month ago. I owe him a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Jones, I love that man. Yeah. Love yeah. him to death. He's such a lovely human being. He he really is. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonesy was here last week and he, he, I wasn't planning on coming in uh, to work on it or work on Sarah's new music. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? Come on in. Let's play some drums. <laughs> like, let's do it. And then it's funny that I got here and That's then there, a good was invitation. Some, <laughs> and there were some drums already on a song. I'm like, Vince, these sound great. I'm like, these sound like my drums. He goes, Oh, I was playing your kit. I'm like, Oh, good. He goes, it's, I said, Vince, it's totally in time and feels great. He goes, Oh, I spent half a day chopping it. I'm like, Oh, but anyway, I love that's Vince. No Vince. Yeah. No Vince. Oh yeah. He gets very clean sounds. It's like incredible yes. clean. Yeah. Yeah. No, Vince is a phenomenal musician. Yeah. You know, he's been, I've known Vince since I first started making music here in this town. Okay. You know, he's Canadian. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And he's been playing in Sarah's band since um when did we hire Vince? Surfacing. Surfacing campaign. Wow. 97. Yeah. No, sorry, Mirrorball. Anyway, long time. I th I from what I I think it's I think you're right. I think your first recollection is right. Yeah, surfacing yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah, because he was not on the fumbling uh, towards ecstasy tour. That was Dave Kershaw, old previous yeah. keyboard player. He's doing very well too down here. Yeah, no, he was telling me he did the the um, what's the guitar player from Allison Chains? Jerry Cantrell. Jerry Cantrell. He did his record, and he's Vince was telling me the TV stuff he's doing. Yeah, he seems to be keeping busy. I mean, yeah, the TV thing is. I think it's doing well for him. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Yep. Yeah. I hope, I hope he'll go on the road with Sarah again. If she ever goes on the road again, I hope he will. Cause uh, he's great. You need, you need a Vince Jones in your band to run the ship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's a phenomenal player. Yeah. He's awesome. Great dude to have around. What else do you, what else do you like to do in there besides, I mean, are you, do you write? How about, let me ask you that. Are you writing yeah. on your own? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, uh, I have a lo-fi chill ambient instrumental project. Yeah. That just came out on network um, two months ago. What's it called? It's called Pantone VU. Okay. And uh, I have a writing partner in Toronto. His name's Ken Harrison. We've been working together okay. for, gosh, 15, 20 years. And when the lockdown happened, we were just sending two, three-minute instrumental pieces back and forth to each other for no okay. other reason than to just do something. Do something. <laughs> Yeah. You know, vanity project. Let's do something. I don't know what the out. And then we ended up having 25, 30 pieces, finished oh, wow. pieces. And um, I'm very, I still work with all the guys at uh, Network Music. Okay. And they were like, what have you been up to? And I said, oh, we're just working on these sort of instrumentals. So, oh, send them to us. Sent them to him. And half an hour later, Rick Arboy, one of the principals at Network, he called me up and goes, we love this. We want to put this out. And I'm like, what do you mean you want to put this out? Well, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. It's just Ken and I. Well, you need a band name. I'm like, uh -huh. so we signed a little deal with Network and we're putting out a song every three weeks. And it's Apple added us, added us to their today's chill playlist right away. And I was like, what? Right. I'm 54 years old, man. Yeah. 
New music? What? So it's fun. So was that, so like, how do you go about, like, are you, are you going for very specific drum tones and, and, or like minimal miking or how, how, how are you doing that? Yeah. I mean, it's very low fi and sometimes yeah. it's one mic on the drums, maybe a couple and it's very small sounding at times. It's mm -hmm. not big. It's not. Right. Um, and Ken and I would just send files back and forth. He's got a big modular system. So he would put a lot of my drums through his modular and, and it was fully experimental with no end game. And then when we started getting a bit of feedback from network. They were actually saying some of you, yeah, some of this sounds too high-fi for low-fi. Ah, right. <laughs> and so then when we were when I was mixing it here, it was very much almost referencing lo-fi playlists to going, oh wow, yeah. some of this stuff really sounds like it took them two minutes to make it. Yeah. Like they did not spend that much time on this. Right. So it was, it was sort of okay, how do we dumb this down a little bit or make us a little more lo-fi so it fits into that genre? It's And it's quite fascinating. Yeah, it's know. like very like a band pass everything and then yeah. not have a lot going on, right? No, it's minimal instrumentation. Yeah. Um, and, and rhythm sounds that are not necessarily drum sounds. Right. You know, there's some great plugins out these, the, the Teletone Audio, they've got the... Uh, there's this thing called the Clev Grand, the Slammer, and the and the Tink Tong, and like weird little drum machines that are just like, it's very much stuff that sounds like um, Aaron Sterling's sample pack stuff. Okay. okay. Like you know, here's the sound of a pick dropping on a. Oh, let's record that. Right. And right. that's a backbeat. Right. So it's very much stuff like that. So I would spend a lot of time. You know, I would record some drums bring it in, you know, record it into the session, find some different sounds, put it together, come up with a, you know, an idea, send it off to Ken. He would send it back to me. And it was great. I'm like, this is such a creative, fun, no pressure to be anything way to work. Mm -hmm. And I'm really enjoying it. So you guys are going to, you're still making. Yeah, no, we have a, we have a record deal. We have a commitment of, <laughs> okay. of a bunch of music. Right, of okay. a bunch of music over a period of time. So it's like, okay, we got to get to work. So it's really fun. What's your process? You come out and you just like, whatever you feel like playing that day, you throw a click on and play and then start chopping or what? Yeah. Or I will fire up one of my, fire up a drum machine, fire up one of these wacky drum machines, okay. program something, then go to the kit, put up a couple of mics, play with it, then maybe cut it up, put it together. That's it. Yeah, or I'll uh, you know fire up some of the wacky keyboards, mm -hmm. come up with some interesting bass lines, a nice little uh, Rhodes piano riff. I, I mean, I play a little bit of keyboards enough to sort of compose really slowly, but I would not call myself a keyboard player. Sure. But with technology, I could be a keyboard player, right, a right. little bit of a keyboard right. player. There are many drummers out there too that. <laughs> yes, there are. Not play yes, there, yes, there are. And how do you think about form when you're doing that? Are you thinking about form like as you're doing it or is it really just like that'll? Yes. I mean, some, some, sometimes it's form based where it's, oh, this is the verse, this is the chorus. But then sometimes it's just, it's almost uh, a, um, a two and a half minute groove over a few chords that evolves yeah. into something and then tears apart into like, there's no rules yeah. really with that music like at all. No, I know. I like to, I like to turn it on. Like when I'm emptying the dishwasher or whatever, <laughs> like, yeah, like seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I've always have a playlist 
of instrumental music going, playing in my house yeah. all the time. Yeah. I'm not so good at listening to music at home with lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like I won't put on my favorite album because I like to listen to albums and actually, you know, remind myself why I fell in love with this album. So I will often put on, you know, lo-fi beats playlist or, or, or Buddha bar lounge when the Buddha bar CDs came out way back in the day. I loved those so much. Yep. Okay. So, so there's no real rules. Yeah. Other than song length and don't polish it too much. Are there certain ones that are there certain tracks or artists that come on and you, and you're, st- you recognize them at this point or you're like, Oh, it's been a particular inspiration. It's pretty faceless. Yeah. That's why, that, that's why that I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty faceless. Okay. You know, it, it's not like listening to air, you know, the right. band, the French, yeah. the French electronic duo air, you know, it's air, yeah. you know, by the tempo, by the Wurlitzer, mm-hmm. or, you know, in massive, you know, when you hear massive attack, it's, you know, mass effect. So the, the, the lo-fi chill world, it's very, there's a lot of artists. Yeah. There are, and, and most of them are bedroom eggheads. Yep. They really are. Cause after, after sort of going into this world and doing some research and seeing that some of these guys are just eggheads on their laptop, literally yeah, doing it for fun. Yeah. They don't even really call themselves musicians. Right. You know, they got well, a little, a lot loop. of it's just a, a loop and they, maybe they chop it or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. yeah and that stuff seems to, it, it doesn't really have any, when I listen to these playlists, I, I will pick up, Oh, I remember why I liked this. It, it's, it, it's got an interesting feel or different sounds or, or I love what the drum, how the, how they cut up that drum thing. And so there's, you know, certain things that your ear will gravitate to. So are, that's, sorry, are, go ahead. Are you diving into the, the slinky, you know, misplaced triplet. I can't stand it. Oh, really? I can't stand it. (laughs) Okay. I think because it's gotten so, uh, you know, who does, who plays that stuff really well is at the other Ash, Ash Sone. Oh yeah. UK Ash. And he's an Instagram whore, that man, you know, and I'm not really on social media because I got, I got bullied years ago on social media, working in the studio with Sarah. Okay. And so I was like, I'm not doing the social media thing, but once in a while I'll jump online and, and, and see what, you know, and, and ashes, he's doing all that. Yeah. He's great. He, yeah. He, and he's great. I just, I don't know. I, I, I find it interesting for a short period of time yeah. and then I find it really annoying. <laughs> okay. Cool. It's just, it's, it's just a personal ear thing. Yeah, no, that's yeah. It's yeah. just a personal. And, and now everybody is doing it. Everybody. It's, it's like the gospel chops drummer thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, got, I got so exhausted by it. Right. Right. Cause it can be, it can be done very non-musically or it can be done very musically. Depending yeah. And, and, and to seek out the, yeah, no, that's, you said it perfectly. The unmusical stuff where it was just a blast of chops, Yeah, it, it, you know, in a pop song was just like, if I ever did that in the bands I were, I'd be fired so fast. Sure. But um, yeah, it's just the right context. Like for me, sure, not to go down this road, but I will for a second. It's like I remember seeing Gerald Hayward back in the day with Mary J. Blige. With Mary J. Blige. Being like, what the hell is happening back there? It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, Gerald was doing that on Mary J. Blythe tour, uh, toured on Lilith. Oh, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Way, way back in the day. And then I saw him play with um, Rob Thomas. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. When he, when, I think it was Rob Thomas's first solo album from Matchbox 20. And I saw Gerald and I went up to him. I can't remember if it was a festival. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? You're playing with Rob Thomas? I said, he goes, yeah, dude, I'm trying to stretch it out and change it up. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. And he's, Gerald is awesome. I haven't seen him for a long time. I don't know him at all, but. Man, I haven't seen him for eons. Beautiful player, yeah. Awesome player. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great, man. You got a, are you get, so you're going to bring a lo-fi chill to like Sarah's stuff? Or? <laughs> that's up to her, not up to me. These, I got these beats. <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah. I, you know, sometimes she'll come down when I'm working here and she'll, what are you doing? I'm just making some fun, making some beats. And she'll sometimes sit down at the piano and, and play. And I said, why don't we record you? And we'll record her sometimes. And there's no pressure for, you know, we never, we never wrote together and we did on purpose. Okay. We played together. We were married. We didn't need to write together also. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But she's slowly working on new music, I think. I hope Very so. slowly. I hope so. I hope so, too. I'm like, get your butt <laughs> out there and make a new record. It's good to see you, man. Good to talk. Really good to talk to you. Tell Sarah I said hi. I don't, Absolutely, I, don't, I will. I think she'll remember me, but yeah. I'm sure yeah. she would. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good to see you. I'll see you soon. All right, Ash. Take care, man. Take care, buddy. Yeah, man. Bye. Bye.